just a really quick little note that if you haven't read The Name of the Wind or The Wise Man's Fear or The Slow Regard of Silent Things, this podcast um, will either not make much sense to you or will infuriate you because you've been spoiled. So just be careful. Also, this is a, a clean episode. So if you have kids, they can listen too. Or if you have sensitive ears. Let's get to it. Welcome, one and all, back to the Troop Caravan for a special episode again of Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. My name is RJ, which stands for Raccoon Jewelry. Um, and uh, that's that. So this is a King Killer episode again. Shocker. This is what this podcast is about. I had the very good fortune to be able to share a post of mine that I wrote over on Tor.com, which is a great science fiction and fantasy fan site, and also it's a publishing arm of Macmillan. So The Wise Man's Fear, this great book, you may have heard of it, uh, by a guy named Pat Patrick uh, Rothfuss, I believe it is, or Rothfuss. Um, anyway, this guy wrote this book called Name of the Wind a while back, and then he wrote another book called The Wise Man's Fear, and that second book turned 10 earlier this month. So this is a convoluted way of saying I wrote a blog post that Tor.com was, was kind enough to let be published on their site. I'm going to tweet that out, but I thought that I would do something very similar to that blog post here on the podcast. Um, so that's what this is going to be. This is going to be 10 things that I hope are answered in Doors of Stone because the wise man's fear turned 10 earlier in March. Now I know I always do seven things, but you know, I'm going to give you a couple extra because I like you guys so darn much. Yeah, and you know, when uh, Name of the Wind turned 10, we got that beautifully illustrated 10th anniversary edition and some extra goodies in the back of the book. The sequel anniversary is coming on. It was it was early March 2021, and we have about as much information on book three as Kvothe has information on the Chandrian. The 10-year wait, however, as we all know, has been such fertile ground for theories and speculations, as well as a number of reread podcasts and posts on Reddit. I, for one, am a fan of uh, the KKC reread by Joe Walton on tour.com, um, where my little article was published. Thank you, guys. And of course, I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours on the Kingkiller Chronicle subreddit. And as you know, I started my own little podcast uh, that you're listening to right now. Isn't that just wild? So I thought it appropriate to mark the anniversary um, with this this little uh, episode with the burning questions that I have about this beautiful story. So what I'm going to do here on the podcast is I'm going to go through my 10 questions really quick. And then in the show notes, I'm going to put like the time code that they're at, um, just so in case like because because some of these questions I think I've covered a little bit on my podcast already. Um, if you're new, welcome. Good to have you. If you have been around for a while, you might have heard me talk about some of these things. So what I'm going to do is go through all 10 and I'm going to put the time code in the episode description so you can skip around if you want. Um, so here are the 10 questions I hope are answered in the Doors of Stone. 
Um, we've got number one, how does Quoth get folly? Number two, will Quoth see Abanthe again? Number three, what does Master Ash want? Number four, who exactly is Dennis patron, Master Ash? Number five, what's in the lacklist box? Number six, what is in the thrice locked chest Coat keeps in his room with the waystone? Number seven, who does Quoth kill an Imray and is it the king assumed by King Killer? Number eight, who is the penitent king in the frame story? Number nine, what is Ari's true story, or Ori, you might say, Auri? Number 10, why does Bast travel with Coat and how do they meet? So again, that's just the lineup of the questions and uh, you can skip around if you want to. So getting right into it, number one, in the Waystone Inn, Coat hangs a sword up behind the bar with the word folly burned beneath it in the dark wood. So how does Quoth get folly? I know I talked about this in the Folly and Sesora episode. Um, and as I said, KKC theoreticians surmise that this is Cinder's sword. We don't know if Quoth uh, and Cinder have a fight. You know, maybe Quoth kills him and uh, takes the sword and hangs it up. And maybe he steals it somehow and, and puts it in the waystone either to remind himself of what he lost chasing Cinder or as some kind of lore for the rest of the Chandrian. Um, note that there are some similarities in the way Cinder's sword is described. It's pale and elegant. And the way Folly is described as gray, white, slender, and graceful. Be wary of Folly. Speaking of, number two, will Quoth see Avanthe again? If you recall, of course, Avanthe taught Quoth rudimentary sympathy, and uh, also had a little discussion with Arladin and Lorien about the Chandrian before he left the troop. You know, in my opinion, Ben probably knew more than he let on about the Seven, and he certainly left the troop at an oddly convenient time, uh, right before the massacre. The last two lines of the letter he reads, Quoth, are, remember your father's song, be wary of folly. Now, that's and not just an offhanded compliment or comment, right? Like he meant something deeper uh, than that, in my opinion. Arladin never performed his song about Lanray for anyone, but uh, Ben clearly had a guess about what it was about. Moving right along here to number three. What does Master Ash want? What is he trying to get with Denna? One of the biggest sticking points between Quoth and Denna uh, is Denna's patron who meets with her in secret and seems to send her all over the world. We get these um, hints from Cathea that uh, uh, Ash beats her as well. And so it logically follows number four, who exactly is Denna's patron? Master Ash has launched a thousand theories, um, many of which Joe Walton helpfully condenses in the tour reread. Um, I'll put that up um, in the show notes. There are a bunch of folks on Reddit who think Ash is either Cinder or Brayden. Remember, Brayden is the guy Quoth meets uh, at Mayor Alvaron's estate and plays tack with. Some think he's neither character. He's someone else. Someone think, Some will think he's both. And I know Dallas and I talked a bit about this in our Denna podcasts. Personally, I'm not 100% convinced on the Braden equals Cinder equals Ash line of thinking. I think it's likely the patron is either Braden or Cinder, but not both. Now, 
whoever Ash is, whatever he wants, he has Zena looking into genealogies and, and, and trying to rewrite Lanry's history as Quoth knows it. And we find this out in Wise Man's Fear when she sings her unfinished song for Quoth. We don't get the whole song. Um, and I say she's trying to rewrite Lanry's history because Quoth does take Scarpy's story about Lanry and Lyra and Haliax as gospel truth. But it's possible that this isn't right, right? It's possible Lanry really was a hero. Um, we don't know. And, and sadly, Kvoth never hears his father's song. Personally, I, I don't believe for very long, should we say, that, that Lanry actually was a hero. Um, but I think, you know, if, if Scarpy's story is incorrect somehow this really brings up a lot of interesting questions like who really is Haliax if he's not Lanray. Um, again, I don't necessarily believe that, but I think it is fun to think about. There's little doubt in my mind that Dennis Patron knows about Quoth. Um, maybe he's instructed her to follow Quoth and keep an eye on him, waiting for the right time to strike. Something certainly breaks between both and Donna and I do think um, it's likely Master Ash is at the center of it. Interesting to note here, um, Braden did not exist in early drafts of Wise Man's Sphere. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, um, but it is interesting to note. Question number five, what is in that lackless box? I know that um, I went over this in the lackless episode, so I'm just going to hit this one real quick. Quoth says he knows the box is a box. He says it wanted to be open. So when he's he's shifting it around, he can feel something inside and hear it thumping. He originally thinks it's something made of metal, but later settles on something of glass or of stone. Whatever it is, it's small and it's light. It's probably very old, a couple thousand years old, Malon thinks. Personally, I like the idea that it's connected to either Jax or Celatos. Um, perhaps inside the box is the flute Jacks used to call the moon or the piece of stone Selitos used to put out his eye, or it could be a key to that fabled lackless door. And also want to mention here that there are yellowish knots around the box. Number six, what is in that thrice locked chest that Coat keeps in his room at the Waystone? Whatever's in it, um, it appears the man can't open it, which in my opinion raises a hell of a lot more questions. Um, both really went through a, a lot of effort creating this thing. Obviously, the three locks, different locks. Um, it's super heavy, as as him and Bass note. It is made of roa wood, um, and therefore is is possibly connected to Cathay and or the lackless box. I, I say that because we get a description of a citrus scent um, coming from all three of these items. So from the Cathaya, the thrice lock chest, and the lackless box. What's in the chest? What's in the box? Is it Sesora? Is it Quoth's Ten Rings? Is it the power of his voice in his hands? Is it is his true name? Um, we don't really know. Number seven. Who does Quoth kill in Imre? And, it, and is it the king assumed by Kingkiller? So at the beginning of Name of the Wind a drunken traveler recognizes Coat as Quoth, and we get the following line, quote, I saw the place in Imra where you killed him by the fountain. The cobblestones are all shattered. 
he frowned and concentrated on the word. Shattered. Unquote. Now keep in mind, Pat could be playing with our expectations here. It's very possible Quoth doesn't actually kill a king, but he, he's blamed for something he didn't do. It's also possible he didn't kill someone in, in Imra either. Because we're reminded, you know, again and again of how rumor grows and how the truth behind stories can be less exciting than the fables told around campfires and told by our dear friend old cop at the Waystone Inn. Uh, but for the sake of this, let's assume both things are true. Quoth kills a king and Quoth kills someone in Imra by the fountain. Is this the same person? We have heavy hints that Roderick Calanthus will die, the king of Ventus. Um, Pat has also revealed Quoth will travel to the capital city of Vent Ventus, which is Rhaenyra in day three, and we know that's where Roderick lives. Thus, I think it unlikely that if Quoth kills King Roderick, he does so in Imre. Why? I don't know why the King of Ventus would travel more than a thousand miles to the university. Closer to home, I think uh, a likely suspect for a battle in Imra is Ambrose, you know, which is kind of obvious as their antagonists, or unfortunately Simon, which would be incredibly tragic. Um, Quoth does talk about Simon with a bit of wistfulness, as if something irreparable happened between them. Either way, whether it's Sim or Ambrose, killing a noble's son in front of the Aeolian would certainly be a story that traveled far and wide. Also, um, as that traveler in Name of the Wind mentions, the cobblestones there in Imra are shattered. And that doesn't necessarily sound like something Quoth could do with what he knows, what we know, excuse me, that he knows right now. Um Either he learns the name of Stone or other namers are involved here somewhere, perhaps Fella, who does know the name of Stone. Number eight, who is the penitent king in the frame story? There are, in my opinion, heavy hints. It's Alvaron, first of all, the money system at the Waystone uh, in Noir, aka Nowhere, is the same as in, in Ventus, the... the royals and the nobles so that in my mind means the waystone inn is in that country so it's a vintage king secondly the colors of the king's soldiers who attack both are the same as alvaron's that that blue and white and and finally alvaron is quite high along in the peerage but we don't know it's him for certain other folks speculate that the penitent king is either a member of the jackis family as you'll remember they're jumping up the ladder or perhaps even simon and we're in a tour and don't know it Personally, I, I'm a believer in the Alvaron theory, even if it's a bit obvious at this point. Number nine, what is Ari's true story? So again, ignoring um, the fact that Pat said this character didn't exist in early drafts, she is a character whose true identity could connect with the Princess Ariel mystery Quoth mentions at the beginning of Wise Man's Fear. Um, I kind of do believe Ari is... Uh, is noble, as I think I talked about in my podcast with Tales from the Waystone on Ari. She's often described as eating daintily and acting very formal. Um, perhaps the biggest clue about her being this Princess Ariel is Quoth makes up the name Ari for her, but when he tells Elodin this, Master Namer seems somewhat impressed, and, and shortly after that is when he decides to teach Quoth naming. Um, so Ari and Ariel are similar enough, especially considering I use the pronunciations from the audiobook, which um, do pronounce the latter, the princess's name, Ariel, and Ari's name as Ari. I know some people say Ori or Auri. Um, 
So if she's indeed royalty, where is she from? Um, she has no discernible accent, so perhaps she isn't vintage because Ambrose is vintage um, and is described, actually written, described as having an accent. Everyone in Ventus has an accent in the audiobook. Um, we know Yellish people have an accent. We know Sealdish people have an accent. Um, we know Adamic people have an accent. So it's possible to me she's from a tour because a tour and people like Simon aren't described as having an accent or it's possible she's from, you know, if she is this princess, she's from one of the small kingdoms or she's from, um, just the Commonwealth. We simply don't know much about her past. We do know that Ari is very intelligent, very resourceful. And we read in the slow regard of silent things that she studied alchemy and chemistry in her time at the university. And some even go so far to surmise she's a shaper. She certainly does have some naming prowess. She names places and objects in the underthing. And she does know Elodin, so maybe they work together at some point in the university. Ari also knows about the Cyridae, which is the highest order of the Amir, though she doesn't tell Kvothe how she knows about them. Um, definitely this little moon fay is more than she appears. And question number 10 that is burning inside my soul. What, so why does Bast travel with Quoth slash Coat and how do they meet? We know from Felorian that Fae shed some of their power in the mortal realm. So I think that there's got to be some compelling reason Bast decides to remain in Noir with Reshi, Quoth, Coat. Because otherwise, why would he be there if he doesn't have all his power? That seems like something from the, the limited knowledge of Fae folk we have. It seems like something they wouldn't want to do. So does Quoth enter Fae again at some point and meet Bast? Is Bast traveling in Temerant in the, in the two cross paths? Or is one looking for the other for some reason? There's clearly a lot of love and affection between these two men, though they haven't been together too long. I think Quoth says he's been Bast's teacher for a year and a half. Um, also teaching him what? And he's he is described as Bast Master, though we never get a true example of what Reshi means. We're just told it's a nickname of sorts. Um, as I said, these two do care for each other, though perhaps Bast cares for Coates' power and not necessarily his well-being. Um, I think it's possible they are family. Um, Bast, I believe, is is 150 years old or so. So I think this cancels out kind of any theory that he's Felorian and Quoth's son. But we do know that things work differently in the fan realm. So I guess that's possible. Um, I think he he might have some other reason for trying to get Coat to remember his story and remember his greatness other than just wanting him mentally well. So that's the end of my little list. I know I went um, a little light, but I do hope that it gave listeners new and old something to ponder. Um, I know that this wait has been difficult for a lot of King Killer fans, including me. 10 years is a long time. Um, and I just know we love being in this world and and we want to know what happens next but one of the things that's made it easier for me is that we're not alone and we're not waiting alone i'm not waiting alone i am on reddit i'm on twitter i'm on tiktok you know i'm on tumblr just reading what other people say talking to people sharing ideas looking at cosplays making memes appreciating this beautiful art that other people have created you know, people in this 
in this community argue about the Amir and talk about their seven word sentences and, and share new and old theories. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's an incredible thing to appreciate a work of fiction so deeply and to know that so many people around the world feel the same. So I hope um, everyone who's listening to this is doing well. I, I really thank you for sticking with me and sticking with this podcast. Even if it's your first listen, I appreciate you. Or if you've been with me from the beginning, um, or if you're came along somewhere in the middle and decided to give me a shot, I really appreciate you. Um, so thank you for being here with me. May all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short. <laughs>